Lost Horizons, How the Oscars Became Hollywood's Shangri-La. This Sunday, the beleaguered Oscars will hold their 94th Academy Awards ceremony. I will be attending, as I have for the last several years. I get my one ticket that is usually on the highest tier. I put on a fancy dress, I drive myself to the ceremony, park in the garage, and take the escalator to the Dolby Theater, which is located in the same mall as the Man's Chinese, where I used to visit as a kid to look at the footprints and handprints of all of the stars. I love going to the Oscars, even if the only people I have to talk to are the wait staff and bartenders. Each floor has two full bars outside each of the tiers of the theater. You are allowed to go in and out of the theater as long as you do it during the commercial breaks. One of the most thrilling things about attending the live show is listening to the waves of applause that ripple through the room when an award is announced or a film clip is shown. And the Oscar goes to... Leonardo DiCaprio. It looks very different on TV than it does live. I am usually way, way up in the nosebleeds, so I can't see much of what is going on, unless I look at the flat screens provided for us. I can go out and have a drink and watch the show on the TV monitor. Then you can see it better. But it is still fun to go. I feel really lucky to be invited every year as a member of the press. How did I ever get here? I have been blogging about the Oscars for 22 years. It never occurred to me in all of that time that the Oscars could go extinct. Now I think there is a good chance they probably will, sooner rather than later. The Oscars, like the Democratic Party, have created a fantasy world for themselves, an insulated, isolated utopia. It plays out in everything they do. They believe they've solved the problem of racism that erupted in 2020 with Biden's directives and by forcing everyone who wasn't a willing participant across the country and in every institution to go along with their anti-racism policies. They're now trying to make sure this ideology is taught in schools because it isn't some obscure scripture studied in law school. It is the entire worldview of the left, and that includes the Oscars. I used to be a true believer. Back when critical theory in race and gender was being taught at my daughter's high school, I was spending my days on my website advocating for people of color and women to be nominated and to win. I was like every social justice scold you see on Twitter now. I believed I was doing the right thing. I believed that there was no purpose to the Oscars if they couldn't change their history of awarding all white men all of the time. My perspective would start to shift in the last few years as I watched the accusations of racism and the push for equity to be ultimately detrimental to the goal of what the Oscars are supposed to be about. It isn't that I still don't feel that the awards should be open to everyone, not just white men. It's that I can't go along with using the awards as a way to pat ourselves on the back and fake pretend we've changed anything. Have we? Or is it all a show? Film critics and Oscar voters seem to be okay pretending they are awarding on merit. But it doesn't seem that way to anyone not inside their utopian bubble. 
They want to be rewarded for having made change with their museum, with their casting choices, with the films they award, with how they staff their award shows. They give the impression that things have changed, but they haven't really. The Academy and most institutions in this country remain mostly white. The Academy is still 80% white, above the nation's white majority, which is in the high 60s at the moment. Watch any film or television ad produced by Hollywood and you would imagine that we live in a country that has an equal share of people of color and white people, but we don't. Whites are still the majority. But on the left, they feel bad about this, and thus they must prove their worth every time they take the stage, every time they put out a movie, every time they give out an award, every time they make a film. The majority in this country, no matter their skin color, has had enough. They've had enough of Hollywood lecturing them. They've had enough of their ideology and their strange new religion being foisted upon them, and they are slowly pulling away from both the Democrats and the Oscars. Although everything was already starting to be about race before 2016, it wasn't until Trump won that things would start to radically change on the left, on the right, and everywhere. There are many reasons for the drop in ratings, the rise of superhero movies, the rise of great television and flat screens, but it also can't be a coincidence that they really started to dip after November 2016. For the podcast listeners, we're looking at a chart that shows the ratings the year I started in 2000 at 46 million people. By 2016, it was down to 34 million. Then it dropped in 2017 to 32 million, 2018 to 26 million, 2019 to 29 million. 2020 to 23 million, and by 2021, just 9 million people watched the show. Trump's win upended almost everything on the left, especially the film industry and the Oscars. They became overtly political. This broadcast is being watched live by millions of Americans and around the world in more than 225 countries that now hate us. From the get-go, politics and Hollywood colliding at the Oscars. I want to say thank you to President Trump. I mean, remember last year when it seemed like the Oscars were racist? <laughs> That's gone. Thanks to him. President Trump, the target of several jokes from host Jimmy Kimmel. Some of you will get to come up here on this stage tonight and give a speech that the President of the United States will tweet about in, in all caps during his 5 a.m. bowel movement tomorrow. Politics front and center before the show began on the red carpet. Nominees Ruth Nega and Lin-Manuel Miranda wearing blue ribbons in support of the ACLU. Director Ava DuVernay showing solidarity, she says, by choosing to wear a gown by a designer from Lebanon. President Trump's policies also a target for presenters. As a Mexican, as a Latin American, as a migrant worker, as a human being, I'm against any form of wall that wants to separate us. And for winners. This is for, I'm an immigrant. I come from Italy. I work around the world. And this is for the, all the immigrants. For the immigrants. Please. Including the Iranian winner for best foreign film. The salesman, Ashkar Fahadi. Boycotting the Oscars to show support for the people of seven majority Muslim countries affected by Trump's travel ban. Instead, having someone read a statement on his behalf. Dividing the world into the us and our enemies categories creates fear. 
a deceitful justification for aggression and war. Even the commercials turned political for Cadillac, Hyatt, and even the New York Times. The Times said the ad aimed to remind readers how costly reporting the news can be. But the president taking preemptive action, attacking the New York Times, tweeting early Sunday, failing New York Times will take an ad, a bad one, to help save its failing reputation. Try reporting accurately and fairly. Taking the side against not just Trump, but half the country that voted for Trump. Almost immediately, the mass hysteria began. Starting with the frontrunner of the year of the 2016 election, La La Land. I don't think so. Can I borrow what you're wearing? Why? Because I have an audition next week. I'm playing a serious firefighter. So you're an actress. I thought you looked familiar. Have I seen you in anything? Uh, the coffee shop on the Warner Brothers lot. That's a classic. Oh, I see. Yeah. You're a barista. And I can see how you could then look down on me from all the way up there. I'm done. Next set. He doesn't, I don't, he doesn't tell me what to do. He just told you what to do. I know, I let him. Because no one could do anything about Trump being president, and because they could not hurt anyone on the right with their moral outrage, their disgust, their constant dehumanization and shaming, they began to eat their own. La La Land was accused of being racist not just because it was a film that was about to win Best Picture, but because the film features a white man in it who loves jazz. Some of the headlines of the time, La La Land, Racism and the Real History of Jazz, Whitewash Nostalgia Begins with La La Land, The Unbearable Whiteness of La La Land. I could feel the awkward silence every time the film's name was mentioned. And when they called it for La La Land at the end, I had already left the building because I too was caught up in the frenzy that a racist film was about to win Best Picture. I didn't find out until a phone call from a friend that Moonlight, the film about a black gay man finding love and acceptance, had won instead. Everyone assumed Trump caused it because no one could take a movie like La La Land seriously when the whole world had so dramatically changed. The following year, another controversy hit the film three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. In it, Sam Rockwell, who won the Oscar, plays a cop who has a history of police brutality. The film didn't properly address it, according to critics and journalists. They believed it redeemed Rockwell. Even though the movie kept winning awards, the outrage kept simmering. This time I argued against the smear. That was the first time I was called out and swarmed on Twitter. And despite my having advocated for years and years for black filmmakers on my site, Now I was being called a racist in so many words for defending three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Though it won the Golden Globe, the SAG Ensemble Award, and the BAFTA, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri would lose Best Picture to The Shape of Water. It must have been such a surreal experience to the film's director, Martin McDonough, to be suddenly branded a racist and a police brutality apologist. This was, for me, a major turning point. I could see that a mass hysteria event was unfolding, but I could do nothing to stop it. By far the worst event, though, was the next year when the film Green Book was up for the Oscar. We were screwed. Now we ain't. And I just put the Attorney General of the United States in an incredibly awkward position. So what? That's what the guy gets paid for. What else he got to do? That man 
and his brother are trying to change this country. That's what else he got to do. Now he thinks I'm some kind of calling from some backwoods swamp jail asking to attenuate assault charges. Who does that? Garbage. That's who. You shouldn't have hit him. I didn't like the way he was treating you, making you stand out in the rain like that. Please, you hit him because of what he called you. I've had to endure that kind of talk my entire life. You should be able to take it for at least one night. What, I can't get mad at that stuff he was saying because I ain't black? Christ, I'm blacker than you are. Excuse me? You don't know shit about your own people. What they eat, how they talk, how they live. You don't even know who Little Richard is. Oh, so knowing who Little Richard is makes you blacker than me? Oh, Tony, I wish you could hear yourself sometimes. You wouldn't talk so damn much. Bullshit. I know exactly who I am. I'm the guy who lived in the same neighborhood in the Bronx my entire life with my mother, my father, my brother, and now my wife and kids. That's it. That's who I am. I'm the asshole who has to hustle every goddamn day to put food on the table. You, Mr. Big Shot, you live on top of a castle, traveling around the world doing concerts for rich people. I live on the streets. You sit on a throne. So yeah, my world is way more blacker than yours. Pull over. What? Pull over. I ain't pulling over. Stop the car, Tony. What? What are you doing? Doc. Doc, what the hell are you doing? Doc, get back in the car. You have to live in a castle, Tony. Alone. And rich white people pay me to play piano for them because it makes them feel cultured. But as soon as I step off that stage, I go right back to being just another nigga to them. Because that is their true culture. And I suffer that slight alone because I'm not accepted by my own people. Because I'm not like them either. So if I'm not black enough, and if I'm not white enough, and if I'm not mad enough, then tell me, Tony, what am I? It was so well-liked by everyone who saw it that it immediately won the Audience Award in Toronto. It won the Golden Globe. Then when it won the Producers Guild, it looked like it might win Best Picture. And that is when all hell broke loose. It's a film about a working-class New Yorker who drives a jazz musician across the country during Jim Crow. Mar Hershala Ali played the musician who was also gay. Here are some headlines. Green Book isn't racist, it just doesn't understand racism. Who was Green Book for? Why I walked out of Green Book? Green Book is a naive portrayal of racism in America. A collection of increasingly racist gaffes surrounding Green Book. The problem with Green Book start with its title. Not only was the film viciously and repeatedly attacked, but the filmmakers involved had their pasts upended and exposed. Director Peter Farrelly was accused of being a sex offender for once flashing someone on the set as a joke. The screenwriter, Nick Vallelonga, who wrote the story about his father, was apparently a Trump supporter and had tweeted something criticizing Muslim immigrants. He was banned from the ceremony and never showed his face again during the race. I went on a massive counteroffensive to defend Green Book, even getting interviewed in the Wall Street Journal. Quoting the journal, I've been doing this for 20 years of my life and I've never seen it reach this level, says Sasha Stone, founder and editor of the news site awardsdaily.com. In a January essay, Ms. Stone defended Green Book about a black musician and his white chauffeur on tour. It was an example of the opprobrium that hits filmmakers 
who fail to meet certain standards of inclusivity and conscientious storytelling, she says. Green Book was such a warm-hearted crowd-pleaser that the attacks against it backfired, and it did end up winning Best Picture. Green Book's win, however, would push the Oscars past the point of no return. The Green Book effect would ultimately lead the Academy to turn inward, to manufacture a reality they wanted to be true, because that was their only option. They had to bow to the activists pressuring them to make change. The following year, despite films like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, and 1917 being nominated for Best Picture, they would opt to give their prize to the best film from a different country, Parasite, from South Korea to win Best Picture and Best Director. By the way, how bad were the Academy Awards this year? Did you see it? And the winner is a movie from South Korea. What the hell was that all about? We got enough problems with South Korea, with trade. On top of it, they give them the best movie of the year. Was it good? I don't know. You know, I'm looking for, like, where, where? Let's get Gone with the Wind. Can we get, like, Gone with the Wind back, please? Sunset Boulevard. So many great movies. The winner is from South Korea. I thought it was best foreign film, right? Best foreign movie. No, it was the button. Did this ever happen before? And then you have Brad Pitt. I was never a big fan of his. He got up and said, little wise guy statement. <laughs> little wise guy. He's a little wise guy. Sam Mendes' 1917 had won the Golden Globe, the Directors Guild, the Producers Guild, and the British Film and Television Academy's prize, but lost the Oscar to Parasite. Had 1917 won instead, however, all of the top prizes would have gone to white people, all of the actors and all of the filmmakers. That was early in 2020. A few weeks after the Oscars that year, COVID would hit. By the summer, the country would explode with the George Floyd protests. That the Academy walked away from the 2020 Oscars with rapturous headlines and their having awarded the first international feature Best Picture meant that they had finally won the approval of the loud chorus that demanded them to stop being Oscars so white. After the summer of 2020, however, there was no further resistance from the industry. Big changes were implemented. The British Film and Television Academy, BAFTA, brought in a jury to select the nominees for the acting and directing categories. Voters were ordered to choose half women and half men in Best Director. They kept the policy in place this year, which meant that not a single BAFTA nominee for Best Actress was also an Oscar nominee. The Academy already had an inclusion mandate in place to take hold in 2024, so there was nothing more they had to do officially. But they did decide to display their history at their museum to almost completely erase everything about the Oscars, the film industry, and Hollywood. They had not only erased their Jewish mogul origin story, but they had almost completely eliminated the Oscars that everyone knows. But of course, no one could say anything. They were too afraid. As I walked around it, I saw one person frantically pacing the rooms of the beautifully designed luxury museum, saying into his cell phone, None of it is here. Not a single studio, no Warner Brothers, no Paramount. And he was right. After Green Book won in 2018, there has not been a film by a white man to win Best Picture, and there won't be this year. Voters seem to understand this. I came to the Oscars at a time when great directors made great movies. But now, from the Sundance Film Festival onward, 
The priority of inclusivity has completely overwhelmed the whole point of awarding films in the first place. Whatever is happening now in Hollywood isn't about finding the best of anything or anyone. It is simply another arm of the Democratic Party's new religion. I imagine if Joseph McCarthy came back today and saw just how influential the political movement of the left is having on everything from education to science to history and yes to the Oscars, he'd think the communists finally won. This year, we're down to two movies for the top prize. Both are directed by women, Jane Campion for Power of the Dog and Sion Heder for Coda. Both are competing to be the first film by a streaming platform, not a studio, to win Best Picture. Netflix, Power, versus Apple, Coda. Neither film made money at the box office, with Coda bought for $25 million at the Sundance Film Festival, earning just $1 million at the box office. Coda is a heartwarming story about a hearing child with deaf parents and is acted by a predominantly deaf cast. Normally, the idea of awarding Apple or even Netflix their top prize to give up entirely on that hard line between theatrical and streaming, the Academy voters would go a different way. But Apple made them an offer they could not refuse, a chance to make history by awarding the first film with a deaf cast as Best Picture. The cast was recently seen at the White House as the guest of Joe and Jill Biden, who love the movie so much. Even though you have to be an Apple subscriber to watch it, and it only made $1 million at the box office, this win will tell you everything you need to know about the Academy in 2022. Coda earned just three Oscar nominations, the lowest of all ten nominees. If it wins on Sunday, it will be the first time since the 1930s a film did so with just Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor. At any other time in most of their history, this would be unheard of. But in 2022, no one can stop them from making history and looking like the good guys one more time. Teenagers aren't going to pay to see Oscar movies anytime soon. They did go see Spider-Man No Way Home, which is fast on its way to becoming the highest grossing film of all time. The Oscar voters aren't going to vote for a movie like that. When you do the math, it's hard to see any future for the Oscars. Now that the Oscars, like the Democrats, have decided that skin color, gender, and equity matter more than merit, there is no point in having a competition. Maybe it's time to simply hand out certificates of achievement to those they believe deserve it most. Pretending like people are winning, though, is something the public can see through, and something only the most privileged utopians find appealing. None of the movies nominated this year are bad. Some of them are very good. It's just that it's an isolated world, a magic mirror, a Shangri-La that touches almost no one else outside of its atmosphere. Sunday will be the Oscars' 94th year. They've had a good run. Most of us would be lucky to live that long. Thanks for listening to my Substack. I appreciate it, and I will catch you next time. SashaStone.substack.com